0: radio Jason Jason don't get mad. Why J- Jason get no d- don't get mad. Try because we are g- we're going to play our national anthem. Uh-huh. I got this. You swear. I got this. I don't want any more disrespect to our nation. I would never. Just going to play it. Okay. Please rise.
2: All right.
3: Now we are very, uh, we're very patriotic Canadians, and uh, so we'd like to take this moment to, uh, okay. to do our, our, to do our national anthem. Our national anthem. He did
0: that,
1: say it that we wrote,
0: that they wrote.
2: When I look around me, I can't believe what I see It seems as if this country has lost its will to live Well, this is a good the one economy is lousy, we barely have an army But we can still stand proudly, because Canada's, Canada's really big We're the
3: second
2: largest country
3: on this planet Earth And if Russia keeps on shrinking Soon, soon we'll be first, as long as we keep
1: Quebec.
2: USA has tanks, and Switzerland has banks. I accept this. They keep them tanks, they, they just don't amount. Because when you get down to it, you find out what the truth is. It isn't what you do with it, it's the size, size that, that counts. counts.
3: <laughs> okay, that is not our national anthem, but I will allow it, because I
0: love that song. Jason, I... That's not an... They said it was the National I know they did, but they are incorrect. Whoa, 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 whoa.
3: You could say many things about the Arrogant Worms. Whoa.
0: But in this situation, they're not correct. Are you saying... Are you, right now, in this room, in this posh mansion that we record in every week... Specifically for the Canadian episodes. Yes. Are you saying that... That was not the national anthem. No, but it is a close second. Okay, well, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. I'm getting closer, right? You are getting closer. I will let it slide this week because okay. I love that song. But
3: next week, on the ball, Brendan. I'm on the ball. The prime minister will be listening. Uh, jean Chrétien might be listening. Uh, Brian Mulrooney certainly will be listening, and Ben Mulrooney, and Ben Mulrooney, and then he'll, he'll report d- to his papa. That's right, and then he'll talk about us on Etalk Daily.
0: Ooh, oh, that'd be uh, oh Christ! If we oh, only we only, could get that numbers. Oh, if
3: only we could get that Etalk Daily attention.
0: Uh, anyway, Jason, this is our podcast. It's normally called "For Screen and Country," but right now it's called "Our Screen, Our Country." Eh, eh, and I'm Brendan, and I'm Jason. And Jason, we did talk about British films, so what are we? We are going to go back to it eventually. Sure, but what are we doing right
3: now? We are in the process of counting down through the top 10, 11 Canadian films of all time,
0: according to the Toronto International Film Festival in two thousand fifteen. Team, team,
3: teen, teen. So that's what we're doing. We last week we watched Les Oldra. Yeah, the the the, or or just simply orders the the gut wrenching.
0: French film No, Québécois. I think your French pronunciation was a lot better. Les ordres? Les ordres. Les ordres. Less ordres. L- less ords. Less ords. You guys you gotta get less ords on the phone. Yeah, He's a guy to talk to. There's two hey, you got too many ords,
3: you cut to me. I'll
0: make sure you got less ords.
3: Hey. Hey. Let's just take a moment in Canadian uh, 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 pop culture to take a moment to remember. Mayor Mel Lastman, who passed away this week, the former mayor of Toronto, who once called in the military to help
0: shovel snow. Mel Lastman, bad boy for life. And here to sing it is Canadian favorite Sarah McLaughlin.
3: How will remember you. Jan Arden is, is doing a duet with her.
0: dooby doobie doobie Yeah,
3: Jan. So is, much Canadianism.
0: Jan is here to promote her sitcom, Jan. Jan, it's
3: about me. I sing.
0: Yeah, I think that. Does she sing a song on that show? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. We don't talk about Jan usually, though. No, no.
3: That's for our other podcast. Jan. Our small screen, our tiny country.
0: Our, yeah. Our, yeah, our tiny country. Only the th- uh, the third largest country in the world. We're super small. No. Uh, no, we we are talking about these Canadian films. Jason, like you said, last week we talked about Les Audres, yeah, which was number 10, and tied with that movie at number 10 also is this week's movie, and that is Stories We Tell, a film directed by a one Miss Sarah Pauly. Canadian icon Sarah Pauly. Yes, as you said, as you have uh, been saying, Road to Avonlea's Sarah Pauly. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know uh, you Yanks might know her as uh, being from Dawn of the Dead.
3: Later on, we'll see her performing in the 1997's The Sweet Hereafter.
0: Oh, I didn't know she's yeah, in that. She's in that. Okay, well, we'll see her soon. Yes. Um, you might also know her from uh, other stuff. Uh, she directed the film Away
3: From Her. She's also working on a new movie right now, which I forget. I think it's called like Three Women, maybe or something like Women that.
0: Talking. I believe Women Talking. And I was like, Oh, what joke uh, is going to be made oh, about this? Oh, terrible joke! Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> was this a
3: horror movie? Alternate title: Hen Party. Oh. <laughs> get out of here dice hey i just thought i was stopping by for a quick snack you mariah always makes me snacks when i'm in the area so i gotta go get a tea oh
0: goodbye he didn't take his jetpack he's not dead not yet no he smokes a lot though for those of you who don't know i took out a gun when i said that uh well a flesh-colored gun <gasps> my dick mm,
3: It's what it looked like canadian film a uh, fine, a fine set of films.
0: Stories we tell, Jason. This is a historic uh, movie that we're talking about because this is the first ever documentary that we've yeah. discussed on this show. And I was wondering going into this, meaning like, how in the world, how just how in the heck are we going to talk about a documentary? Because we I, got another one next week. We get, yeah, next right after this, we got another <laughs> one. A, a more uh, stylized, perhaps. Yeah, just like not quite. A straightforward documentary i think but yeah I, I honestly was like i don't know how we're going to do this but no. i think you'll be surprised by the results number five will scare you <gasps> we'll do our best we'll see where we go folks uh and we'll talk about we'll do our best to keep you driving slow we're just doing our job on the highway patrol
3: oh little well, junior brown very good
0: i only know it because of the movie me myself and irene
3: oh that's a great song though and that's a good movie. Remember when? Remember when the guy pulls his pants down to shit, and then it cuts to the ice cream, and then when he tries to kill the cow and he can't. Speaking of killing a cow,
0: mm. stories we tell. Yeah, no cows die in this movie. So yeah, stories we tell. This movie was released in 2012, is right before the Mayan apocalypse. Right before, yeah, they got it on uh, just under the wire. Yep. Um This was directed by Sarah Pauley. Jason, I know there's not like really a plot, yeah. so to speak. But what would what is this documentary about?
3: At its core, this documentary is Sarah Polly trying to reconcile, essentially, a joke for when she was a child. In that, growing up in her family, uh, she had red hair. And none of her other family members had red hair. And they would often joke that uh, uh, her father, Michael, wasn't her real dad. And it turns out, that's the case. So this this is partly about that, but it's also partly an exploration of Sarah's mother, Diane who died when she was 11 years old, of cancer. Most famously, she did a run on the Canadian TV series Street Legal for, I don't know, like 40 episodes or something. Is that the prequel Uh, to Boston Legal? Uh, sure. It was very famous in this country. It was very well known. I don't know that it ever caught any uh, traction in the States. Like other shows like ENG and Traitors, maybe Americans have never seen them. Maybe. Maybe. But she was uh, well known, and then she passed away. And, of course, Sarah had a lot of questions about her mother and her relationship with her father. This all comes down to a point in Diane's life where she had left home to go do a play in Montreal. Called Toronto, called Toronto, <laughs> um, which apparently wasn't that good a play. But no. she had uh, she'd kind of not acted for a while, and she wanted to get back into it. And her marriage was kind of strained. Uh, her husband Michael, a lovely man, but kind of you know introverted and quiet, and not suit and not a guy that at the time was like staying at home and helping out with the kids. He would work his job. He kind of got
0: out of acting to become an insurance agent to provide for his family. Um, Wasn't well, it kind of interesting how they talk about how they, like when when she talks about how they met? Yeah. Because she says that her mother went and saw, like Diane went and saw a play yeah. that Michael was in, like uh, Sarah's, you know, father sarah's for, for all intents and purposes, purposes her, all intents and purposes her father yeah. um i mean he very much raised her mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah diane goes and sees this play uh, that michael is is acting in and she falls in love with him watching the play and now michael says very clearly i was playing a character that is nothing like me yeah. she fell and in he, love with the character she fell in love with the character and then i think over over time it could be argued that she fell out of love with him when she realized that this is not who this is not who I fell in love with. Not yeah. that he was a bad person, like you said. No, no, no. Just a kind of a cold, um, introverted, introverted, uh, not a very exciting person, no. not a very ambitious person. No. no. Um, so it's interesting right off the bat. You get that whole thing, and I actually wondered. I wonder if that happens a lot with celebrities. You wonder, like celebrity couples, hmm. like you, you, you fall in love with somebody by watching their performance or yeah. something, and then it's like it's like what I've heard from all from all the stuff I've heard about Steve Martin. Yeah. is that he's a very nice guy. Yeah. But when you meet him in public, he's a very boring guy. Yeah. He's not, he's not particularly funny all the time. I, I wonder if that's intentional. <laughs> Maybe he just, yeah, I mean. Just if, so I, he doesn't was, have to be like, hey, can you put the arrow through your head again? No, I've done that in 40 years. Sorry, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hear the same, same stuff about like Christopher Guest. Yes. Although I hear he's more of an abrasive personality and, and, and not a nice person. Mm. Whereas Steve Martin has a better reputation for that. But, yeah. you know, you, you hear that about people all the time. Yeah. So it's like, that's an interesting kind of jumping off point yeah. is that she didn't really fall in love with maybe who she thought she did.
3: No, because Diane was clearly, based on what we've learned of her from this movie, she was very much a free spirit. She was very energetic. She was always on the go. Uh, she Moving from one crisis to the next, she was very open, uh, uh, was not somebody to hide stuff, I, I think, for the most part, except for one particular thing that we'll talk about. Yeah. Um. You know, she was she was just a bundle of like joy and energy in the lives of of her children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Sarah had uh, two siblings a sister and a brother. Uh. Well, see, Diane was married once, and there were two kids from that relationship. Yes. And then she married Michael, and I think they may have had two more uh, a, a sister and a brother, perhaps. And then okay. Sarah herself was born uh, nineteen seventy
0: nine eight. It was, I mean, 79. it was early seventy nine. It was early seventy nine. Yeah, she's forty two now. Yeah. Old lady. I know. Old hag. I mean, she she might as well play the mom in a taste of honey. Yeah, she's four years older than me. She may as well be in a home. <laughs> cha cha, this
3: is, this is she's older than Irene Ryan at a at a at a knitting competition in the the, the, the ballet
0: park what what they what they really um, and I think a thing that runs through this movie too is the art of storytelling right Absolutely. because they're talking about well what is because you when someone tells a story well you know what let's just listen to the movie tell about talk about briefly here about a story sure. and, and when someone
1: tells a story when you're in the middle of a story it isn't a story at all but only a confusion a dark roaring a blindness, a wreckage of shattered glass and splintered wood, like a house in a whirlwind or or else a boat crushed by the icebergs or swept over the rapids, and all aboard are powerless to stop it. It's only afterwards that it becomes anything like a story at all when you're telling it to yourself or to someone else.
3: That was a Margaret Atwood quote he was reading.
1: Yeah,
0: but that's the thing. It's so it's that it's that idea, and it's also the idea of when um, we also later we hear a number of arguments too. It's like, should everyone in this in this documentary be given equal weight? Mm. Should their stories be given equal weight? Because Sarah Polly's ultimate goal here is to make a documentary where she gives equal weight to everyone. The documentary is not really taking sides. Yeah. I think we see flaws and positive sides of everyone for sure. Um, but you know, there's also the argument to be made that's like, should that be the case? Mm. Should someone who only has third hand knowledge of this really be given the same kind of level of importance as someone who was there? Yeah. So there's that argument. And then there's also the whole thing where it's like, well, um, and then there's the other argument that's like, you know, okay, Sarah Polly as objective as you're trying to be with your, with your filmmaking here and your attempt to give everyone equal weight, you're still ultimately the director and you're still editing out stuff you don't want. So even if you're not, even if you're not trying to you're subconsciously still eliminating things that you don't want I mean really with this sort of movie the idea of her
3: being objective is almost impossible because it's almost she's a... the core of it she's not in a lot of this movie we see her and we hear her talking but but it's not about her but it is about her it's about her journey and about her uh, getting these stories and and using the old marketplace of ideas almost to kind of throw them in together and see what sticks and see where the truth actually lies
0: I, I will yeah and I will say where the truth lies there you go great movie <laughs> I will say that like I don't think it's possible for any documentary to truly be objective. Like I don't no. I don't and I've seen some come close. I, I've seen like really good attempts at it. But unless you stick a camera in the on the wall mm. and just everything that it records is your movie. Yeah. Like that's that's basically what you would have to do. And even then, you chose where to put it on that wall. You chose the building to put it in. You yeah. chose the time of day. Like, There's no way you can you can be completely objective as no. a filmmaker. No. I mean, hey, uh, World at War, great documentary. Is it objective? I mean, it was a
3: documentary made by the victors about World War II, I think. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I think it'd be much different if we watched uh, a World at War documentary around the same time made by the Germans. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be very different. <laughs> of course, then we lost, but ultimately we won. I mean, yeah, that's true. But ultimately, we won all the wars. Mm. In the ni- uh, from 1934 to 1946, we were closed. They won the money wars. <laughs> we were closed for business. Nothing happened. Nothing Move happened. On. We on vacation. <laughs> Throw out your
3: history books. <laughs> But yeah, but documentary filmmaking is tough. And and to do a personal documentary like this, I mean, I'm sure is even tougher. That's a gamble, too, Mm. because
0: as they even they even say early in the movie when she's we see like a little montage of her getting her interview subjects ready, which I love that they kept in. Absolutely. Where they're like, you know, oh, I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm nervous. Oh, my teeth white. That kind of thing. But we hear them saying, like, she's asking, like, she has point blank, like, what do you think about this documentary? And even I think one of her family members even says, like, do you think anyone's going to want to watch this? Yeah. Like, dude, who cares about our family? <laughs> because that's, I mean, yeah, because to if you
3: didn't know who, Sarah, I mean, maybe you don't because you're not into Canadian film. But, like, if you don't have any inkling of who Sarah Polly is maybe your interest in this would be almost none.
0: like At least to start. Yeah. Th- at th- least th- just hearing about this, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I want to watch that. But it, it
3: turns into an interesting exploration of family and family dynamics and uh, uh, memory and what people remember and, and the stories that they tell about those times.
0: Oh, oh you yeah. said the title! It is a lot about memory too and and the way we kind of cloud our own memory yeah. as well. But yeah, so it, it's it's... So there's, the, yeah, so there's that. And, and I would say also the way she shoots this documentary is very unique.
3: It is very unique. Um, there's a lot of Super 8 footage in this movie.
0: Well, kind of.
3: Well, there's a lot of, there is some original Super 8 footage, but then there's a lot of recreations shot on Super 8.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure how much is recreated, but I mm. know that anything with her mom, I think, is played by an actor. Pretty much, yeah. Um, And, and her dad, obviously. But there, I think a lot of the stuff is recreated, um but looks good yeah and from what i understand it's stuff that she had a bunch of super eight films Mm -hmm. watched through hours and hours of footage she she worked on this movie for five years yeah which is crazy like you you, like documentary filmmakers it takes a long time to make a documentary yeah i mean you You go through like 200 hours
3: of footage yeah having to comb through that and pick out the little bits and pieces
0: i mean geez yeah
3: Editors that do that, I salute you. You guys are and ladies are tough.
0: Well, and this is why. (laughs) Sidetrack a little bit, but this is why. Like on a a bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore had a team of like twenty five people who worked on that. Worked on that because that's all they were doing, and he devoted an entire commentary track to them. Oh wow! Yeah, they were talking about their whole process, and it's crazy. Like. Uh, clearly, he appreciated all their work yeah. that went into it because it's so much work. I'm sure he had to do Roger and Me all on his own, so he probably understood how much trouble it was. Yeah, and I can't imagine Sarah Pauli had a whole lot of help on this yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, this is not like a, she's not working with a forty million dollar budget. You know, no, I, mean? I have to imagine this is straight like National Film Board kind of grant material. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, this is this is an this is a girl who had she stayed in Hollywood because I think her last acting role was in 2010. Hmm. And this was made in 2012. Yeah. People were saying, like, you know, if she had stayed in Hollywood and continued to act, she she would definitely still be a top – she would be a top actor right now. Oh, for sure. But she just wasn't having it.
3: Well, she's always kind of gone her own path. Like, yeah. she famously – I think Disney got after her at one point. She had done some work with Disney when she was younger, and then she started getting political. And joined the Ontario NDP and was going to protest. I think she got her nose broken at a protest once. Yeah, she yeah. dropped out of school when she was 15. Yeah,
0: to, to join the class struggle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's very yeah she's very much uh, politically motivated, very much a Trump supporter. Uh, mm, but I oh, don't think so. Wait, what? No? I'm pretty sure,
3: no. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> other way? She went the other way? Yeah, I think she did. Okay, I mean, okay. the NDP, right? In Canada, there are left-wing parties. The NDP is basically Canadian Trump supporters. I don't think that's true. I'll say it now. Jagmeet Singh? He's basically Donald Trump. <laughs>
3: Jagmeet, if you're listening, send us an email and tell us that that is not the case. <laughs> Please. But if you don't, it means you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is stance until you tell us otherwise.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> don't deny that on the For Screening Country podcast, they said that you are basically a Trump supporter. Then clearly that is what you are, sir. I think you said he was Donald Trump. Either way. Either way. Yeah, um, yeah so, um, yeah, the, the Super 8 footage is one thing that she does that, that's unique, but also the other thing is that. Her dad is narrating the entire thing. Now yes. that would be something, but the additional wrinkle to that is we see the footage of him in the recording booth. Yes. And the additional wrinkle to that is sometimes she says, Can we take that line back, Dad? Yeah. And she leaves that in the movie. Yeah. Like he even shows up. I think it's funny. They have such an interesting relationship because he clearly is just like, you know, he's when he I'll play a clip in a second here when he's talking about her as a as a young as a college student, but um he's he's talking about her and he says, uh You know, oh, I come in to do this recording. He's British, too. And he's like, you know, you've got all these cameras everywhere. I thought I was recording the voiceover. Like, why do you have cameras on me? You got a camera here and a camera there. What's going on? What kind of movie are you making? Yeah. (laughs) That kind of thing. And it's fun to see while he's talking, you see her watching in the booth. And sometimes she's just like looking straight ahead. Sometimes she kind of has like a smirk Mm. um, because, you know, she's just enjoying (laughs) what he's doing um what, what what i really appreciate of the way that
3: that of, of that technique is that we get to see those those kind of familial interactions those yeah. those little bits of humor and teasing and things like i think at one point her brother because they talk about how sarah was almost aborted and her brother's just like and we all would have been better off something like, <laughs> and that, something like yeah. that but it was clearly a joke you know
0: yeah and then he has her at one point he has her talking off off camera and her brother it just says like how's my teeth am i am i good okay sorry <laughs> sorry continue and she's and you hear her off camera say like you asshole <laughs> and stuff like that but yeah what i really like um that kind of uh, just explains kind of a, a little bit of a relationship is when her father talks about her as a director
3: yeah
1: it's a dire line of questioning this we must find a way of making it more funny <laughs> What are you, some kind of sadistic interviewer? (laughs) You
0: told me I had to break you down more.
1: Yeah, well, you've done it, haven't you? (laughs) There was no acting in any of that. No acting at all. You see what a vicious director you are. Now you understand, don't you? I remember that. Remember that day when you directed me in a ridiculous montage piece that you were doing when you were at the film center and you made me walk down into a pool of freezing cold water, wearing full clothes. (laughs) Keep going further down, dad. I said, I can't go any further down. My clothes are holding me up. Just keep going down. God, it's so annoying. It's a very little thing to ask of you. All I want you to do is go a foot under the water. Here I am trying to do a montage and my father is causing trouble. Brutal piece of directing. Why?
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so it's sweet. Like you get you get the sense there's a real there's a lot of love between yeah, them. Yeah, oh, these clearly, two. clearly. And it, it's it doesn't go the route you might expect something like this. It's like something like this could be easily trashy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like absolutely. Found out who my real dad is, and my mom was sleeping around, yeah, yeah. and mm. blah blah blah. And that's the thing is that uh, about that nobody judges her for that. Really. No, and that's yeah. great, right? Because yeah. his reaction to the whole thing is beautiful. He says, "I'm glad that this whole thing happened because if not, then you would not be the Sarah you are. That's you would right. be you you would I would maybe still have another child, but it wouldn't be you." Mm-hmm. And I have you. So, no, I don't I I'm glad it happened because you're here. Absolutely. That's such a nice like That's such a positive outlook.
3: Well, and and the thing is, the two of them are extremely close because, as we mentioned, you know, um, Diane died when Sarah was 11. So Michael had not really been present uh, as far as raising his other kids because he was working. But with Sarah, he had to basically raise her from that point himself. Uh, And so they became very close. And that shows in this movie, I mean, just the kind of teasing and back and forth and and uh, the shit they give each other a little bit. like it's so it's so cute and it's so real.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and um maybe we you know what? let's 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 hear Diane a little bit. Yeah, cause there's a little clip of her uh, singing a little tune, sure.
1: Ramifications from assignations involve taxation and then frustration. What is? An honest girl to do. I'm in a stoop. I walk the streets to balance the sheets. My books are neat and on the beat again. I misbehavin' to pay my I.O.U.
0: And, and they even leave it in the the, the blooper at the yeah. end where in that old clip she she's you know ah darn, darn i messed up it's just so it's it's so wholesome yeah absolutely <laughs> um so I, I guess it goes without
3: saying uh watch this movie folks if you want before you listen to this podcast because we're gonna spoil it
0: well, we already have. We already have. We already have uh, mentioned the but. the
3: structure of this is so so well done as far as like revealing stuff at opportune times and really building that throughout the course of the documentary. And I will say right now, it ends with a wonderful moment, a wonderful sting. But we'll save that. Hang, the hang end. On, yeah, hang on
0: to that because that was great. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, she's she's so interesting too, and, and like you said, nobody is ta- nobody's lashing out at her, nobody is mad at her. But the interesting thing about her backstory, because mm. we get into that a little bit, we you mentioned that she actually had two kids from a previous marriage. Yeah, she had married a gentleman when she was quite young. Yeah, and I, th- I believe they say in this movie, in one of the, it was the first time in Canada. Yeah. Where there was a um, custody hearing, mm-hmm. and the woman did not get custody of the yeah. children.
3: Yeah, they awarded it to the father. They
0: said because she had had an affair. Yeah. So she was she was just she was insane. Obviously, mm-hmm. she was rep- repute uh, a woman of ill repute. Yeah. Clearly, um, how
3: could this whore raise children? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in the I think that was in the Hansard that day. That you can look that up. Well, it was, it was pretty vicious language in the local newspaper. Yeah, for sure. As they show during that song that she's singing.
3: <laughs> but yeah, so she got divorced and then eventually marries Michael. Yeah. And has more kids. And, you know, she's doing her thing. She loves to act, but she also is a mom too. And she does the mom thing, takes care of the kids while Michael works and...
0: And so the and so at some point in the movie, like you said, the, we talked about. I mean, we talked about the reveal. We know what the reveal is and everything. Mm-hmm. But at some point in the movie, they talk about how, you know, Sarah has red hair. Who's her father? Who's her father? Yeah. It's a family joke. It's a family joke. But then the joke gets more and more real every mm. year. Like she starts to say, "Well, yeah, I don't look like anyone in the family. This is kind of weird." Yeah. So then there's the assumption that this man named Jeff B- Jeffrey Bowles. Jeff
3: Jeff Beau maybe? Jeff
0: Beau? I, well, okay. So, as
3: we mentioned, she had gone to Montreal to do a play. It's called Toronto. Called Toronto <laughs> in Montreal. <laughs> uh, and she shared the stage with three other actors and they were kind of the prime suspects. Members of the family kind of had an inkling uh that this was going on. In fact, her brother I think heard overheard the mother on the phone talking about this at one yeah. point. Yeah. And, and so he Because knew,
0: when but, because when she got pregnant, yeah. she was very worried. Very worried. Because you know, it was probably not Michael's.
3: Yeah, and it was um, and she was a little bit older. I mean, when I say older. She was like early forties or something. Like Diane. Not, yeah, Diane. Earlier mid forties, maybe. Was she that old? Was she? I think so. Yeah, because okay. I think Sarah's quite a bit younger than the other ones. Yeah, but yeah, fine. it was. It was just, and her thing was, she was really considering an abortion. I mean, as we know, because she wasn't sure it was Michael's, but but her her. I guess excuse if you want to use that word was that because she was an older woman she was afraid for the health of the baby well they do her
0: yeah and they well they do they they did mention that they drove there to get one mm. and then when they arrived there or or when they got close she stopped and said no turn around I can't do this so yeah. Sarah Pauly very close <laughs> in an, some alternate world yeah. Sarah Pauly never existed and Roe Daven Lee never aired and probably someone else no maybe <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't have so, been as good though. <laughs> I'm assuming I've never seen it. Worst Canadian, right here.
3: But yeah, that that question kind of hung in the air. Like it was clear some of the aunts knew a little bit about what was going on. Some people in Montreal knew what was going on because they hadn't been so, um, I guess,
0: uh, a secret about it w- among their circle. Yeah. Um, well, I and mean, yeah, and we and we hear later is, is like when you have a love affair, you want someone to know about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to be totally, totally. I guess. Yeah. Secret. So, unless, unless that's w- your, thing. Unless your thing I feel like it's safer to do that maybe yeah <laughs> but there sure. were but there were people in Montreal that definitely knew about it but yeah. like you said then they think it's this actor Jeffrey Bowes yeah because they, he has red hair
3: yeah he had kind of reddish hair yeah. and similar nose I think so they thought he was him so she went and talks to him and, and asked him if they' had if she ever had a romantic relationship with the mother and he's just like ah I mean we were friends
0: and that's and that's a scene that's interesting because she pu- she puts that like that scene was filmed for the movie yeah I don't think she asked him other than in this documentary hmm. where she says, like, you know, I think you might be you might be my father, and he says, oh, well, we were friends, we were, you know, yeah. when she's interviewing him or whatever. That that seems like she just did that for the doc. Yeah. Um. Whereas later, obviously, when she met, who ends up being her real father, that's clearly a recreated scene. Yes. Uh. With the, like the Super Eight footage or yeah. whatever. Absolutely. But yeah, no, she finds out that, uh, and then this producer from Montreal wants to meet with her, Harry Gulkin, mm-hmm. and- uh, Apparently a well-known Canadian
3: producer whom I'd never heard of before and apparently has an entire documentary just about him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and she did, and she watched it. She huh. watched it prior to meeting him. Smart. <laughs> yeah, Smart. She wanted to get an idea of who Doing she was. Doing her research. Um, and then she says, you know, I always got the impression that it's Jeffrey Bowes, Jeffrey Bowes, and he says, well, I can tell you that it's not because I am your father. And that is like that is like, she screams no, and then he cuts her hand off, and yeah. she falls down. She falls, into falls the down the to the pit, yeah. and
3: they caught that all on film. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's re- all in Super <laughs> Eight. Yeah,
0: no, well, not recreated though. <laughs> no, it was all real. Yeah, uh, that'd be weird. Um, no, but yeah, he reveals that he's her, he's her real father, and and then the, the documentary just stops for a second. You are like, wait, what? The, what did this just turn into? Yeah, because you like I didn't going into this. I I went in cold. I I knew yeah, no about her family. I kind of had a feeling it would be some, there was something in the family that was off because mm-hmm. I knew there was something that changes, the documentary. Yeah. I, I just knew that it, it becomes something different, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. I mean, I started to like, okay, okay, someone's actually her father. How twisted is this going to get? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's her husband. But, um, but yeah, no, that guy ends up being her father. Yeah. Harry Gulkin.
3: And they end up doing a DNA test, and it's 99.997% probable that they're father and daughter.
0: So what you're saying is there's a chance that they're not.
3: A tiny chance. However, uh, the thing that actually really drives it home, because I don't think that she looks particularly like Harry Gulkin, but when you see Harry's daughter... And Harry's daughter, when she smiles, she has the same smile. The same gummy smile, as yeah. they say. Where you get yeah. the gum up top and the teeth, and, and it's a Sarah Polly trademark, and this this lady has that same smile. And it's just like, there's no way they're not related.
0: Interesting, too, in this movie, and I mean, I understand why it doesn't happen, because surely you just wouldn't want to meet the person. But Harry and Michael never meet once. No. I don't uh, on on camera anyway. Yeah. No, and I don't think in their well. There's a there's a debate here. There's a debate, yes. Let's, and let's let's take a listen because at the memorial service for Diane, yeah. Harry tells his version, and then Michael tells his version.
2: Yeah, I remember at Diane's funeral, they said, you know, anybody can speak, so if you want to speak, you can speak And I said that I thought would be very stupid. In what capacity I should speak, so I didn't. When it was over. I went to say my farewells and goodbyes to the family, and I went to put my arms around Michael, and I felt that he froze with my arms, that he was uncomfortable with that. That's what made me think that perhaps Michael really knew, perhaps she told him. What?
0: Do you remember meeting Harry there?
2: I don't think he was
1: there, was he? I think so, yeah. Was he there? Yeah. Oh, no, I I didn't meet him there.
0: So yeah, different memories.
1: Different memories. Um,
0: do you think I don't think he's lying. No, I don't think I he's think lying. I think either man is lying. I think I think that's just, and that's just such an interesting thing. It just goes back into the idea of the of stories, right? I mean
3: you have to understand. Michael's wife just died, so he probably wasn't in like the most, you know affectionate mood yeah or the most like,
0: like especially to a stranger
3: well he's just he's just dealing with the death of his wife he's in grief he's not you know necessarily all there and this random guy comes up and gives him a hug and maybe that makes him uncomfortable because mm-hmm. he doesn't think he knows the guy and,
0: and we know that Michael is not the most overly affectionate no. person to begin with no
3: not super touchy-feely
0: and whereas I feel like Harry is the opposite yeah I feel like he seems a lot more emotional mm-hmm. he seems very much like more in tune with other people's emotions yeah um, two very different kinds of people. I would argue Harry is closer to the, the character that Michael played in that play. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> that and Diane fell in love with. Why Diane fell for him. Why, yeah. What, what he you know gave her. He was that, that kind of emotional, maybe more open spirit that, that
0: Michael was not. Right. Um, I also like uh, just, just Sarah Pauly directing her interview subjects in general, yeah. where you never feel like she's pushing them in one way or another. No. She's never like, tell me about this specific incident or why did you do this or when did you do this? Because the movie literally starts, she says, can you tell the whole story from mm. the beginning? And and people go like, you know, oh. You want me to tell the whole story? Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I go pee first? Yeah. One one guy actually said I got to go pee first yeah. and gets up and goes to the bathroom <laughs> and then to come back. I think it's Harry actually that does yeah. that. Yeah. Um but yeah, she she's very much like, you know, in your own words, she's again, she's trying to be as objective as humanly possible as she can possibly be in
3: this situation for sure. She just wants to hear what everybody has to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just never got the feeling that she was she was pushing them in any way whatsoever. Um I like that, that there's a little hint at what twist this this documentary is going to take when they talk about the play mm. that Michael and Diane, or that Michael and Diane, I think, were in, called Philomena. Mm. And it ended up becoming a movie called Marriage Italian Style with, yeah. um, uh, help me out here, Sophia. Sophia Loren? Sophia Loren. Yeah. Because I, I laugh because every time Michael says Sophia <laughs> um, about how she's a prostitute yeah. and she, you know, she's with this guy and she has three sons and she's begging him to marry her to, you know, so they can be legitimate. And uh, and then she says one of them is yours. So he 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 spends the whole movie. They talk about this in the doc, but he spends the whole movie, you know, trying to figure out which one it could be. But he, he ultimately doesn't figure it out. He marries her, yeah. and ultimately can't figure it out because, because each one of them has something. Yeah. But then they're all very different. They're all very different. But he sees himself in all of them. And he see and then he see, he basically ultimately sees them as equals. Like yeah. his children are all equals, and that's kind of it's 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 sweet because. I think that's what Michael sees. I yeah. think that he sees his children as equals. Yeah. I, I you know, just because one did not, you know, come from his uh seed yeah. doesn't make her any lesser. It's like
3: maybe they don't share DNA, but at the end of the day they are father and daughter.
0: Yeah, it's the person that raised you, is the person that raised you, right? Absolutely. Um There is an interesting quote that I I thought was, I don't know if it's either the saddest thing I've ever heard, Mm. but somebody says in a relationship, there's always one person that loves the other person just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true?
3: I mean, I think think it can be true. I mean, but is it possible for two people to love each other equally? I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, that's what he said. Well, in the, in the in the movie, his argument—I think this is one of the brothers. His argument is that one person starts out loving them a little bit more, and the goal is to find the balance. Is yeah. to balance it as much as possible. But he says there's always going to be someone above a little tiny bit, and he mm. says that, you know the idea obviously is not to get it so lopsided. Mm. Um which happens a lot and mm-hmm. maybe ultimately what leads to divorce yeah for sure <laughs> but uh I thought that was a I thought that was a very sad notion yeah, but then I thought about it and I was like, they might be right yeah
3: yeah, I mean, I don't want to think like that. I'd like to think <laughs> my wife and I love each other equally.
0: <laughs> you could say it here I've heard your I've heard your rants Katrina I'll play the tape play the tape
3: Katrina, you love me too much. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that loves me just
0: enough just enough that i need um is there any other big topics you want to talk about because i'm going to play the last sting but if you have anything else you want to bring up before that about the documentary itself
3: well it's just that it's interesting that it's all i mean because obviously this is all after the fact right this is all long after they've all figured this out
0: yes um believe 2008 is when it was yeah yeah
3: where this came out and and of course we learn at one point that a reporter knows this story and is wanting to run a piece about it and sarah was doing a short film where she was uh, a neanderthal it was a
2: feature
0: oh was it a feature oh yeah you know what it's called uh no but i'll find out while you talk anyways
3: yeah so she so she was like doing this feature and she went out and got on the phone and was crying to this reporter like please please don't i haven't even told my father yet you got to at least let me tell my father before you run this story.
0: And she's got full Neanderthal makeup yeah. in the middle of the street. Yeah. Like st- sitting on a
3: park bench, crying her eyes out, dressed as a Neanderthal, telling this reporter to not so that she can tell her father. Um, But yeah, it, it, by doing it the way she did it, it's like nobody's in the middle of it. Everybody's after the fact. So it's almost like a, a, uh, like a post-mortem of everything. Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody, okay. Yeah, so- Jared Leto. Oh, my. Um. But but that, it's interesting. And again, nobody seems to have any harsh feelings. Nobody's angry. Nobody's sad, really. It's just like, this is how it is, and we've all accepted that, and we're all going to live our lives, you know?
0: It kind of reminds me of... Um the girl that wants to, the woman that wants to find out who her real mom is in Secrets and Lies. Yeah, she doesn't want to do it because she hated her her mother. Mm, mm. She did. She doesn't want to do it because she had a miserable life. Like I, Sarah Polly is like you know. She, I don't think she had a bad life at all. Like no. she says she. Grew very close with her father. She she loved her family. I mean, maybe her mother had a you know Diane maybe had a bit of a troubled life as mm-hmm. we see. Um, but she's not doing this because she she felt like left out. She's just doing this because she wants to know. Yeah. And there's obviously there might be other things going on that we just don't see because ultimately she's the one directing the movie, right? Yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, but but I mean, I don't I never get the sense that she's like you know I'm doing this out of spite or yeah. I'm doing no, this because no. I'm angry.
3: No, I think she's doing it just... It, it If anything, you know, if this movie's nothing else, and it, it's something because it's on the top 10 list, um, it's an amazing document for her family. Like for the... Because we see some of the younger kids in that movie, uh, uh, the grandkids, right? And it's like someday, maybe now, because it's 10 years on, they can watch this movie and get this whole story uh, in a way that... I don't have
0: anything about my family like that. Nobody made a documentary about my grandparents or it's it's so interesting too because she like she even talks about how she's like at the beginning i didn't even know what this was going to be she said it could have been art project it could have just been a personal thing i made for the family like she said she didn't even know if she wanted to make it a documentary feature Hmm. right it may have just been for her own personal use and exactly it could have been a short it could have been you know whatever it's like that i i just think i think she's such an interesting I, I don't want to say celebrity. She's such an interesting filmmaker. Yeah. In that she goes from like just like her her just her like progression. Like she's an actress, very young actress. She's a child actress. Mm. Uh, she, but she has a great support system, so she mm-hmm. doesn't fall into like you know, un- the unfortunate things that most child actors do. She goes to Hollywood. She sure. stars in a few big movies retires from acting and is and i think is, after maybe having some encounters with harvey weinstein i th- I think that um i don't I know she's st- talked about that she's talked about the the toxicity of oh. hollywood i don't know specifically if she's had oh, okay i mean i wouldn't be surprised mm. and listeners if i'm wrong i probably am but um i know she she really didn't like the the nature of hollywood in that way I, but she stops acting uh just directs and now she she's just directing yeah i mean i don't want to say just directing but you know she's a director now she's, and a, she's director. a writer
3: and she's one of our most well known i would yeah. say maybe oh. maybe less known in the states but definitely known here
0: yeah and she has a little bit of clout in the states from being in like a few big budget movies mm-hmm. right so i gotta watch a dawn of the dead again yeah, it's, it's pretty good i mean yeah. it's definitely Zack snyder's no, best like movie it. yeah for sure <laughs> sorry sucker punch <laughs> <laughs> glad sarah
3: Polly didn't Sign up for that one.
0: Step aside, Owls of Gahool. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you remember he made that? He did make that. That's crazy. I I still, I stand for Watchmen uh, other than the end of it. I think it's solid. It's tight It's Yeah. It's colorful. Yeah. The crux of this is that this two-week period that she was in Montreal doing this play or whatever. So she met Harry, had an affair with Harry.
0: And the funny thing is, Michael at some point comes to visit her. Exactly. And the, the my favorite, one of my favorite things is that he says... Oh, I don't know when they were sleeping together. He's like, I, I came back, uh, I came back during this time, and I know he wasn't sleeping with her then because I was. Yeah. You know, he <laughs> says he made love to her, and it like reinvigorated him, him and th- kind of reinvigorated
3: their relationship.
0: And apparently, it did for like now, till the end. Yeah. And I think that's that's that was her reluctance to do anything further with Harry. Yeah, but there was something else that happened in that two week period. Well, Jason, it's funny because we get to this point where you know where this actor Jeff Bowes is like, you know, oh, we were friends. Then we, it's like a, it's like kind of a um, a red herring, is yeah. it because they kind of pursue Jeff for a little yeah. bit, and you think that's gonna be it, and then it switches to Harry, and then she has this final little interview with uh, Jeff Bowes at the very end of the movie, right before the credits. I'm just so curious at like all the versions of this story that have been in existence since I was like 13, and my my sister first told me as a joke, you know, your dad's probably not your real dad, and then when I was 18, like hearing your name all the time. And then finding Harry, and then you know it being proved by a DNA test. Yeah. So it's just weird that now when I interview people, like a couple of her close friends, were shocked that Harry was my dad because they always thought you were my dad.
2: Um. Well, okay, then I'll I'll have to uh, I'll have to tell you that we did sleep together once.
0: What a way to sting the end of that documentary. Such <laughs> a great way to end because then you're like, wait, what? wait, hold on, Whoa, and, then the, and then it ends. <laughs> it's like this could be a whole other story right yeah, now. Yeah, really. Like if the DNA test hadn't been part of the documentary, imagine that ending. I think, I think if she hadn't mentioned the DNA test, he wouldn't have said that. Right, no, 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 I don't think so. Because
3: he had this kind of like, like, uh, look on his face, like, okay, what do we? And oh, because uh, I also I thought, tell you, and
0: I also thought it was gonna come back to him just because of how nervous he looked earlier. Yeah, yeah. Earlier when he was telling her, you know, we were friends, because I thought he doesn't seem completely at ease yeah and then when we started getting into herring, get into the dna test i was like oh okay i guess that was just to, to, i think this just threw me off a little bit and then sure enough he also <laughs> made love to diane he's that point zero three percent yeah or at least maybe point zero two
3: yeah yeah
0: I, I think wasn't there mention made about like their biggest disappointment
3: with their mother was that she didn't use birth control while she was doing that yeah
0: yeah the, the kids, yeah, that's basically what yeah. that's basically that what they she'd said. been
3: kind of irresponsible in that way,
0: right um and I think I think it's also kind of sweet that at the end of the movie, um Michael kind of gets encouraged to write again, yeah, he mentions that you know he's always been so... Cause he because Diane was always so disappointed that he was such a great writer and she he didn't want to use it, he just wanted to settle down and have a family with her, and she wanted to keep acting mm-hmm. and keep performing and write plays and he was very much not that way. He was just like, "Well, I have a family now and we're going to be a family." Going to be an insurance adjuster and make a paycheck and support my family. Yeah, and and it's just so it's so interesting that he goes back to writing after all this is like revealed. Like he mm. has stuff to write about now, I guess. Yeah. It inspires him and it's almost it's such an interesting ending to the documentary. It's like you couldn't ask for a better happy coincidence like this is like a fiction film like this could happen in a in a movie um where it happens in a documentary sarah Pauli must have been like oh my god this is great (laughs) yeah yeah no it it might even be hard to believe if you saw it in a fictional movie exactly yeah but jason we uh should we take a break sure we should take a break and maybe some we'll listen to some stories we tell each other about the war okay so we will take a little break. We will hear some ads from Age of Radio, and we will be right back. Age of Radio, eh? I don't want a donut. I want a Timbit. Give me Timbits. Ten Timbits ten with Jason and sometimes Time's branded.
3: Timbits. Well, I have some Timbits written down here. We'll see how many of them are actually relevant. I just was taking notes and... I mean, it's a documentary. It's not like I was necessarily commenting on the, you know, the filmmaking techniques or anything. Although we had, we have already kind of discussed that. Uh, the the mix of Super Eight and the behind the scenes kind of uh, uh, filming of narration and things like that. Like I thought it was really cool that you got her dad to narrate the documentary because he's got a wonderful voice, his uh, his lovely British accent uh, tempered by thousands of cigarettes.
0: Why do you think? I mean, I guess we kind of talked about it, showing their relationship a little bit. Do you think that's why they show they kept they keep the scenes in with her directing her dad in the booth, and yeah. even and even the scenes where she says, "Can we take that line again?" Yeah, yeah, because I think it humanizes
3: both of them and shows that they really do have a good relationship. And then it it maybe it's slightly less awkward when she starts asking questions about, "Oh, did you have sex with them? Did you do oral sex?" Which came up, and, and I guess Michael thought that oral sex was something they did in France. You know? at, at the time, yeah. yeah he was time. very much like, oral sex, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like too early on, he says, uh, this isn't a documentary, this is an interrogation. <laughs> or, or that's what she says, that it's going to be an
0: interrogation of him. <laughs> right. Um, and at first, I also thought, because like, in my head, I'm like, oh, she's getting her dad to narrate, she's focusing on him. I, w- I didn't know anything about this, so I wasn't sure if it was going to turn into, like, uh, this is not a good person mm, type thing. Mm, and yeah. I'm I'm trying to forgive you kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not that at all. No, thankfully.
3: Mm. Uh, I like the bit where John, one of the sons, uh, when he's describing his mother, he said he would watch I Love Lucy on TV and see how Lucy was. And he thought his mother was Lucy because she was similarly, like, just out, out- outgoing and, and humorous and joyful and... Uh, that was that was
0: cute. By the way, a lot coming out lately. Um, maybe maybe this has been known for a while, but even more coming out lately that Lucille Ball was not a good person. Yeah, uh, well, I've heard that too. Yeah,
3: uh, especially near the end when her voice was like that.
0: Well, I, I guess she wrote this like giant letter almost manifesto being like, I will destroy my enemies. Like anybody that crosses me will fall. Like I will ruin people's careers. Sure, I, But you have to understand too, she
3: was a woman in the fifties working in the entertainment business. She probably had to do that. It was like, it was like she has to have bigger balls than the men because otherwise she's not going to be able to swing. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm just saying, I, I, I don't think she was pleasant. <laughs> Maybe not. But Lucy will always have credit in my mind because she got Star Trek on the air and kept it on the air for three seasons. Yeah, because De- Desilu Productions was the company that produced Star Trek originally for NBC.
0: So, fun fact. Really disappointed she was never on it.
3: I know. That would have been amazing.
0: We seem to have run into some sort of life
2: form. Ah! Lucy, don't yell at the nice men in the gold uniforms.
0: Ricky, <laughs> you said you were bringing over your friend William Shatner. Oh, no. I don't know
3: if that's what Ricky would say. Yeah, um, that's what he would say. I, I, Yeah, so Diane fell in love with the character rather than Michael. And and I like the bit about how they were at a party and Michael offered her a drive home, said, I got a Mercedes sports car in the parking lot. I'll take you home. He didn't. He didn't have a car. She had a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Michael was very private. Diane was not. Diane and Diane wanted more sex than he did. She uh, clearly, I guess, based on she wanted know, moral her, sex. She wanted some moral sex, but that's what they did in France. But she also did all the cooking. She did all the cleaning. She had all the responsibilities of being a mom, as you did back then. She kind of describing her in that way reminds me of my mom. Nothing against my dad. My dad's a great dude, and he he did his part to raise our family. But my mom was the taskmaster. Everything went through her.
0: Yeah. I think interesting um, thing that came up we didn't really touch on yet because there's uh, we talk about Sarah Paul is very critical of like kind of you know fame Hollywood the industry kind of thing as a whole especially in the states and there was a whole thing where they talked about Diane's memorial service yeah and a couple of the relatives were saying like you know there's a lot of celebrities there it was very like it was very big it was very like pomp and circumstance and they said. Uh, it didn't feel, there was something that felt slightly off. They said, you know, we were glad to have all these people here, but it felt a lot like, it felt more like an event than a memorial service. And, I noted because they showed a little like a, a shot of one of the the, the sheet it was yeah. like the guests that were there and I know yeah. I noted I uh, clocked two people yeah two great Canadians sure. uh, Mark McKinney and Dave Foley oh, were on that guest oh, list Oh that's nice I wonder
3: yeah. what their connection was or if they just were fans
0: I mean yeah could be. I mean they were they were comedians uh, through the you know 80s and 90s so I'm sure they had some connection or maybe she was just a f- you know that level of f- famous Canadian maybe because of Michael yeah
3: Perhaps. I wonder if Dave or uh, Mark were ever on street legal.
0: I mean, well, and maybe Harry, being this big producer who exactly. did that play, maybe that's how they knew her. You never know, right? You never know. Uh, so I got to revise what I said earlier, um, she was considering
3: an abortion, obviously, because of this whole situation. But the cover was she worried about her child having Down syndrome. Yes. More so than just her age, So because she, she was 42.
0: And then they also make a lot of jokes about how she... Uh, when she had her kids, she would go out of her way to see how crazy it is that Sarah had red hair, yeah, like, oh my God, I can't believe she has red hair. Oh, she must take it from her aunt I she guess. would lampshade that shit, yeah, like a lot <laughs>
3: um her brother is a physician, Diane's brother was a physician, and he encouraged her to have the baby. He said at that time, I was probably more pro life than pro choice, and I definitely encouraged her to have the baby uh and of course, if she hadn't, we, the world would have been robbed of Sarah Polly, yeah, uh. And then that was at that point that they finally did a play together, as we mentioned, that, uh, what was it, uh, the Marriage Italian style was based on.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Philomena. Philomena. Yeah. Yes. And
3: then, of course, then we know she gets cancer and she's dying. And does she know that she's dying is a question that comes up. And they talk about how, she, you know, like weeks before she actually died, she was like, oh, scraping the yard or something, like getting things ready and planning to like paint parts of the house and do all this stuff. And th- they have the question, like, did she actually know she was dying? Because somebody who knows they're going to die is not doing that stuff. And I think, I think she did know she was dying, but I think I've seen people that are dying that still carry on. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep living my life and do what I want to do and hope for the best. I mean, maybe she'll never get to finish that project, but what if she lives, you know?
0: Because people will either most most of the time do one of two things. They'll either keep doing what they're doing to occupy their time and just proceed or they'll completely shut down.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And they just keep on living. Like I think about my, my 85-year-old great-grandfather who died in the late 90s. I remember the the summer before he died, the old fella just ambling out to the, the shed at the cottage, which needed to be painted, and him with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth fucking rolling paint on this thing. And it's like, you're 85 years old and you're out there rolling paint and you're like, ah, it's got to be done, you know? That's just how he lived his life, and and if he knew he was gonna die, or if he was, he didn't show it. He was just getting shit done. Yeah. Sarah and Michael took care of each other. I mean, this was the first child that he was super close with, just by the circumstance of the situation. I don't know I, I have no doubt he loved his other kids, but he never spent nearly as much time with them as he did with Sarah.
0: Well, because at that point, the other kids are old enough to be yeah, on their own, and exactly. Sarah is, like you said, 11 at home. It's just her and her dad. Her mom's not there. They, that gives you the time to uh, to come together right now, over me.
3: Uh, so, of course, we learn Harry is her dad at some point, because uh, they had an affair. When Michael was in Montreal, he was getting shit from like her friends, from Diane's friends in Montreal, about how, how he was treating her, <laughs> and he wasn't a good husband, and you'd think maybe that would... Click something about what was going on, uh, but also reflective of Diane and who she was because she was an open book. You know, she would tell people stuff. She wasn't going to hide stuff.
0: Well, and that's I think why a lot of people knew about the affair. Exactly. I think it's just I think she's not a very private person. No. Um, it, I wanted to I, I want to play one more clip, and it's because we talked about this earlier. We talked about um, giving everyone equal weight because mm. there's a there's a, a section here where Harry talks about that because mm. we find out that Harry in the early stages before Sarah Pauly made this documentary was not too hot on it. Mm. He wanted to write about it. Yeah. And Sarah was not too hot on that. Cause she says, I don't know if that's your story yeah. to tell as much as like the thing with Diane. Sure. Yeah. But it feels like it's still too close to yeah. me. He me makes the argument that, that
3: the story of Diane and him is his story to tell. Right. Which is a reasonable argument to make,
0: but yeah. but then again, you, you do that and you also you you delve into someone else's story, right exactly. because then you, if you're talking about someone else's mother and having mm. an affair, you're affecting the kids, you're affecting the husband so it's it's a complicated matter but I, th- I think this is a pretty good uh, I think this is a perfectly reasonable reaction and this is how he kind of explains his side I guess uh, of doing the all sides equally weighted documentary yeah. approach his criticism of that absolutely. So, what do you think of the concept of me making this documentary, where we're sort of giving equal weight to everyone's version of the story?
2: I don't like it. I I I, I think that takes us into uh, into very woolly. Because like you, you can't ever touch bottom with anything. Then we're, we're we're all we're all over the place. I think they can all be heard. It's it's giving them equal weight, which I find. Mm-hmm particularly those who are non-players. First of all, there are the parties to an incident, those who were there and who were directly affected by it. Then there is a circle around that of people who were affected tangentially because of their relationship to the principal parties. And then there's another concentric circle further out there which basically has heard or been told by one of the principal players about it, and all of these may have different narratives And these narratives are shaped in part by their relationship to the person who told it to them and by the events. One does not get the truth simply by hearing what their reactions are. People tend to declare themselves in terms of what they saw, in terms of what they felt, in terms of what they remembered, and in terms of their loyalties. The same set of circumstances will affect different people in different ways. Not that there are different truths. There are different reactions to particular events.
3: That's the producer in him talking right there. That's a guy who knows how to fucking, like, structure stories. And, yeah, the producer. deal with that.
2: Exactly.
0: He's a, the, you really hear the the fact that he, you know right there, he's, uh, he's a creative type. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> Obviously, it was hard for Harry after she died. I mean, because he, at that point, what can he do? He can't really say anything about it. He can't. Go to the family and be like, hey, you know.
0: Well, that's even the thing. when we listened to the clip earlier. He says, I was at the memorial service. Yeah. What do you do when they ask, like, does anyone want to speak? I'm not going to go up there and speak. They think they, you know, they see him there, and they're like, oh, he's paying his respects. They yeah. don't know the he's connection He's not going to get up has. there and
3: be like, so I fucked Diane once in Montreal. And they'd be like,
0: Dice, you're not allowed to be here. <laughs> you didn't know Diane. And Dice
3: <laughs> lights a cigarette and walks away. Hey, is that Sarah, chick, she's my girl. Oh, baby.
0: I- I'm a daddy. <laughs>
3: You, oh, that you, would be, that would be a fascinating documentary of Andrew Dice Clay were her father. Oh, Sarah Pauly would, uh, never make <laughs> movies again. All of a sudden she starts wearing leather jackets and smoking all the time.
0: Oh no, <laughs>
3: you've ruined Canada's icon. <laughs> yeah. And then as we mentioned, there was an entire documentary about Harry for her to kind of do research before she even met him. Like how many people do you meet in your life? You have an entire fucking documentary to watch before you meet them. Four. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Including you? Including? No, it's no, it including you. Including me. No, oh, masking. Did you want me to include you in that list? Yes. Oh, then. Well, two. there was a documentary, brief documentary that I was in once. Oh, uh, okay. Including you too. Thirty-seven in a row.
3: <laughs> the DNA test, ninety-nine point nine nine seven. Try 99. not to make any
0: documentaries on your way out to the parking lot.
3: <gasps> Actually, that would be really impressive.
0: Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the the
3: parentage is confirmed by the DNA test. His uh, his daughter's smile is is in my mind confirmation of nothing else. Um. And she said it didn't really have much of an effect other than the fact that all three of the daughters got divorced in a relatively short period of time.
0: That was interesting. Yeah,
3: I don't know if that was connected or if... uh, It's
0: almost like, you know, there was some break in the family and Mm. then suddenly everybody just kind of did some reflection or something. Like, where am I at in my life? That's so strange. Well, I wonder if
3: that's it. If it's like the the idea of their relationship and, and kind of how Harry and... Uh, Diane had a thing like
0: maybe that made them rethink their own relationships. Maybe because, I mean, if they get the whole thing where, you know, Diane wasn't happy and Mm. she was going after this person who she thought Michael was, they're like, am I with the person that I really want to be with?
3: Yeah. Is is the person that I fell in love with actually the person that I'm with?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mark was the one that was not happy about his mother's behavior as far as birth control goes.
0: Like, come on, mom. But as like a a very lighthearted jab.
3: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a similar when he says, you know, uh, if if Sarah had been aborted, oh, we'd be, we'd all be better off. (laughs) And of course, yeah, you asshole. Yeah. There was a quote. I didn't get it exactly, but it may, but the, the, basic fact of it was uh, the moment tragedy lets his guard down comedy smiles like saying that you know the the bad things can happen but the comedy will come through and and this despite the tragedy of her death and all the kind of sadness that might come from an affair like this ultimately there's some humor there it's kind of funny that it went that way yeah um doesn't seem to and, and despite the fact that harry was confirmed as her father it did not change her relationship with michael that they were still father and daughter absolutely 100%.
0: No, and they literally say this doesn't I don't Michael says it doesn't change a single thing for me. Yeah. He says I still love her. I still consider her my daughter. Yeah. I I don't look back on anything as regrets. Nope. He said surely it changes stuff for her yeah. because you know it's a whole other part of her life that she never knew, but as far as I'm concerned it doesn't change my relationship with her. Yeah. And I don't think it does for her either, but he's just saying like this affects her more. Than it does him, is what he's saying. Because, yeah, his wife had an affair. You know, that's kind of shitty to find out about. Mm -hmm. But it was so long ago, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't change the relationship he had with his daughter. No.
3: And it could have gone a different way because Harry wanted her to move to Toronto with him, like bring the kids and, and shack up together and, and live their lives. And I think it was Michael's visit and the fact that they got together, they had some good times, they made sweet love, uh, it kind of reignited the passion in their relationship and thus threw a monkey wrench into the affair.
0: Well, So what you're saying is Michael fucked their relationship back to good health.
3: Yes, folks, and that's advice for you. If you have relationship troubles, you just got to fuck your way back to good times.
0: Honey, let's get naked and...
3: Get ourselves back on the right track. <laughs> let's, get, let's get naked and fix this. Um, That's
0: what you always say to me. Yeah, and it, and, and it works, doesn't it? Well, we're, we're, we've been doing this podcast for this long, haven't we? Absolutely. It keeps going. Um,
3: yeah, and of course, we, we talked about Harry wrote, a, wrote his version of the story, which Sarah encouraged, and encouraged they both write their own version, but he wanted to publish it. And, of course, she was not happy about that, especially because Dad was still dealing with this fact. Um, and she kind of wanted a whole picture. And as much as as much as uh, Harry's perspective was super important and necessary to the documentary, it wasn't the only perspective. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, this movie's sort s- sort of the culmination of all this, of all this stuff. Finally, all, after all these years, all this rumor, all this stuff, it all finally culminates. And how many people can culminate a part of their life in a documentary film? Like that's amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, a movie. This is sort of a movie about the making of itself. It is, yeah, yeah, because a, weird... a lot of it is how the documentary came together. Yeah, yeah. we
3: literally see it being produced. It's and... Very meta.
0: Yeah, it's meta that way, and and it kind of all comes. You don't own, own that word, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, uh, uh, Jason, Oof. I expected you to be madder about that. About who? About Mark Zuckerberg owning um, the word meta?
3: Well, I mean, come on now. What about Meta World Peace,
0: the basketball player, football
3: player? I
0: think he's a basketball player.
3: Is that Ron Artest? Became Meta World Peace? I don't know. I'm not a sports guy. I think we should just
0: stop now. (laughs)
3: Uh, One quote I liked uh, was the um, crucial function of art is to tell the truth, which is, yeah. I mean, it doesn't always go that way. Yeah. But I think ultimately that's what you want to see in art. Art is a reflection. Uh, uh, And as uh, the uh, uh, maybe less well-remembered Shia LaBeouf now once said, uh, uh, art is anything that moves you.
0: Right. Why would he do? Uh, let's not talk about that. Oh, okay. uh I just I, heard he had a he ate a peanut butter falcon. It's a movie he was in. Oh, uh, don't okay, worry about okay, it. Okay.
3: <laughs> the truth about the past is ephemeral and hard to pin down because, again, unless you have like straight uh transcripts or raw video of incidents happening, it's all based on memory and memory is always fallible. I know this because, and I'll tell you how I know this. Uh, in the Blues Brothers, for years, I thought the line was, uh, uh, bring me six chickens and a Coke. But turns out, it's bring me four chickens and a Coke. Oh. Yeah. So I know that memory is fallible.
0: And I mean, and I mean, we get it in the movie. We get so many different recounting. We did get different people talking. We literally get a scene where someone says, you know, a couple people are saying, like, oh, it was very well known that there was this affair in Montreal. Is very well known. And then we have one character just uh, simply saying, like, I don't think anyone knew. Yeah. Like, we get that in the movies. Sarah Pauli very deliberately puts that right beside each other to be like, see how hard this is? (laughs) You think about it, like back then, like, you could do that. You could go to Montreal,
3: have an affair amongst a group of people, and it never, nobody would ever say anything because nobody would ever see anybody from home. Like, the connection there was not there. It's not like somebody's going to write a letter or make a phone call unless they specifically are trying to, like, out somebody. It's not like today, where you know you could post something on Twitter or Instagram or uh, booga booga and uh, the Bumbles and the uh, Tinders.
0: Palais! Oh no, no, I no! Get this. out of here! No, you like to post a Palais. Is I that do what not say. I do not. I don't want to be involved. Oh, you're doing Canadian film. I am from Canada. I know you are. It's pretty clear. No, you should go back to Montreal. Okay. Well, I think October crisis was good day. Goodbye. Oh no, no, that's a that's a strong position
3: to come
2: from the back.
0: He's dead, a long time ago. Oh man! Well, that's not surprising. Parlor is run by a dead person. Yeah, Donald is... Trump's dick. Di- yeah. Whoa. That's
3: fucking dead. Uh, Harry's interesting now. Harry mentions like his affection that he had for Diana is now sort of wrapped up in Sarah, because she's the piece of Diana that remains, and the the proj- legacy. The legacy of him and Diana is Sarah, and I'm sure he was proud of her. And all she'd done, especially as a producer, seeing where she'd gone in her life. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, clearly, clearly a lot of uh, a lot of uh, love and support.
3: Uh, I had a question, too. Like, is this movie more for Sarah? Than just finding her father. Like, is this a way? Was this whole movie a way for her to like deal with it? Deal with it to work through it to have a picture of that part of her life and finally put it all in order so that it all finally made sense.
0: I think so because, like, like we said, she wasn't sure this was going to be a documentary for the masses. At the yeah, beginning. and I
3: mean, yeah. Why would you? I mean, other than her, you know, celebrity in this country, like, why would you think anybody would necessarily be interested? I mean, sure, people yeah. like documentaries about families, but uh, and then I mean, I would say
0: carry some resonance because we're talking about it on this list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so ultimately a good decision. <laughs> and then my last note is we did sleep together once. It's a
3: great. It's great stinger. Great stinger. Perfect way to end that doc.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jason, this uh, this thing was received rather well. Uh, it received the Grand Prix Focus for Best Feature Film in the Festival de Nouveau Cinemas Focus category. In December, the film was included in the Toronto International Film Festival's list of Canada's top 10 feature films of hey. 2012. Um, In 2015, it was added to to the list that we're talking about right now. Um, On uh, January 8th, 2013, it received a $100,000 prize for Best Canadian Film at the Toronto Film Critics Association Awards. After having been named Best Documentary by the association the previous month. It was named Best Feature Length Documentary at the First Canadian Screen Awards. It received the Alan King Award for Excellence in Documentary at the Directors Guild of Canada Awards in Toronto. Uh, received the New York Film Critics Circle Award uh, for Best Nonfiction Film, the National Board of Review Award for Best Documentary Film, and the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award for Best Documentary Film. Uh, It also received the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Documentary Screenplay. Wow. It was nominated for a 2013 Cinema Eye Honors Award and a 2013 International Documentary Association Awards. It was also, it was not officially nominated, but it was among the 15 films shortlisted for the 2013 Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Oh, nice. So it was almost, almost made it there, there, but the fact that it was even shortlisted is crazy.
3: Sorry, I got stuck on that Alan King award because I'm like, wait a minute. Alan King was like a a Jewish comedian in the States you would see on roasts. He always smoked a big cigar, often had a beard. And then I looked up, no, there was a Canadian director named Alan King, who I assume that that is named
0: for. Uh, Probably. Probably (laughs) that guy and not the comedian. Probably not the comedian. (laughs) Well, but that's all pretty much I have. I mean, I think we talked about her uh, getting her teeth knocked out when she yeah. was young, and and being a very uh, a, a, a very vocal um, activist. She's mm-hmm. she's toned it down in recent years just because of things like that. Yeah. Um, but she's still very much in support. She's very still very much a far left uh, Canadian. Yeah. Um. And uh, let's see here. I think that's pretty much all I have. I. I mean, I. I, w- I noted that she took about five years to make to do the project with breaks in between. Mm. I think probably just for emotional reasons. <laughs> do you got a box office on this? No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got a budget on this? No, no, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Jason, I'll just ask you, fellow Canuck,
3: what do you think about it? It was something. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. It was emotional. Uh, like the, the both movies we've watched so far for this list have been super emotional and, and gut wrenching in different ways. Uh, but this ultimately was a more positive, obviously, end to it. This was a heartwarming, kind of by the end of it, that this family had kind of finally come to terms with what had happened, and they were all in a good spot.
0: Um, you know, uh, I liked it. <laughs> Mikey likes it. Yeah, no, it's it's really good, and it's it's like you said, like we kind of said, it's almost like a therapy session mm-hmm. on camera. Like yeah. it's 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 Sarah Polly has done something kind of incredible as that made her family, who a lot of people watching this would not know no. f- from from a hole in the ground. You know, yeah. and, unless you
3: were like a um, like a theater nerd back in the '60s, you probably yeah. wouldn't know who Michael
0: Polly was or like Sarah Polly's like stalker or something. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Maybe this movie's just for you. And unfortunately, on a down note, I have to I have to mention that uh, Michael and Harry both passed away in twenty eighteen. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, understandable. They're both very old men. They're
0: both very old in the, in the in the documentary. But yeah, that is that is a sad footnote. But but I would say this is a good uh, memory to have of them.
3: Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful for their family that. That they will have this piece to go, come back to and learn about Sarah and yeah. Michael and Harry and, and everybody and and see their relatives, you know, at this point in their lives. Like that's that's wonderful. That's amazing. I would love to have something for my family like that. I don't know what the story would be.
0: Well, be about a
3: boy. <laughs> Man, one day he found a gopher. I know I'm my dad's son because I look like my dad. There's okay. No question.
0: <laughs> Jason, I've got something shocking to tell you. I'm your poppy.
3: Did you get a DeLorean and go back in time to the 70s? No, I just look real good for 70 years old. So you were the first guy that got my mom away from Kevin, the guy that worked for my grandfather. Kevin McDonald of Kids in the Hall. No. Uh,
0: (laughs) Kevin Costner? Uh, Kevin Pollock. Uh,
3: I don't remember his last name for some reason. Kevin Jonas. But I'm not
0: going to give it. I don't think Kevin Jonas is a Jonas brother. No, that sounds like
3: one. Okay. Joe, Kevin, and uh, Squeaker.
0: I think Nick, but
3: oh, close. Oh, Nick, okay, yeah. Well, they call him Squeaker.
0: Sure, yeah, of yep. course. <laughs> they all call him Squeaker. Um, no, another great movie. Um, yeah. So we are finally going to move up on this list next week, though. Yeah. Where we just talked about uh, two movies at number 10. Yeah. We're going to talk about number 9, and this is Jason, like you said uh, uh, near the beginning of this episode, we got another documentary coming yeah. up. Wow, it's crazy
3: on the on the British list. Not a single documentary. The closest thing we got was Fires Were Started, which is yeah. more of a
0: docudrama, which was close to a documentary yeah. but had actors. Yes, so. And a, and a narrative yes. of some kind. Yeah. But this, yeah, this is another documentary. I would say this is going to be a lot less straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is uh, a, a Canadian, another Canadian icon named Guy Madden. Yes. And uh, this is a film called My Winnipeg. Which is should be interesting because I have been to Winnipeg once in my life. Yeah. I went there in grade eight
3: for the uh, CRB Foundation's Heritage Fair.
0: All I know about this movie is that uh, I was told by one of our American listeners that... Uh, there are a few movies on this list that kind of, like, sort of resonate in the states, and uh, is you know, Dead Ringers, obviously, because it's a Cronenberg movie. Uh, Sweet Hereafter. Um, this surprisingly, My Winnipeg really? surprisingly is one of the ones that he wow. mentioned, and I think kind of stories we tell. But but yeah, My Winnipeg was one that, he, and and of course he said, well, I might be just a film nerd, but it is something that is is known of at least in the states by film people. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So, My Winnipeg, we'll talk about it next week. It is an 80 minute documentary. Oh, Um, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't watched anything super long yet. No, I don't Uh, think there's any like three hour epics uh, on this list. Well, Mon Oncle Antoine is pretty long. Oh, no, just wait till we get to number one.
3: Oh, Fast Runner is really long.
0: Oh, it's like 240. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's number one. So, yeah, there you go. My Winnipeg. We'll talk about it next week. But until then, Jason, uh, where can they find you on the social media? They can find
3: me, Brendan, at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Come on by. Set a spell. It's the same things I always say. Uh, uh, Color Horizon T loves to loves to talk to me occasionally and Brad apps. Uh, but there's got to be more of you out there, so. No. No? There's not? Those are the only two that want to talk to me? Only two. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so Sharon can- Horwood, get on Twitter and say hi. <laughs> God damn it. Facebook doesn't count anymore. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find us all over the place. We're on all the social medias. We're on Facebook. We uh, Just search for for Screen. And Country. We're on Twitter at FSACPod. That's for Screen and Country Podcast. Uh, we are on all the uh, podcast apps. Of course, our home base is Age of Radio. You can go to ageofradio.org for Screen and Country. And I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I guess. Check it out. Yeah. Folks, and by the way, if you're in Canada, you can download the CBC Gem app uh, on your phone and you can watch Stories We Tell right on there. It may have commercials. It didn't have commercials when I watched it. So check it out. Never know, never know
0: till you try. That's right. And that's the moral of this movie. That's right,
3: <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'll, that's what
0: I got from it. <laughs> so that's the, as if you could take one thing away. You never know till you try, kids. never know till you try. Not sure who your dad is? Well, you never know till you try. That's right. But until that, <laughs> until that moment, Jason, uh, I just have to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for our screen. And our country. I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Goodbye.
3: Get the fuck out of here.
0: Listen to a story. Maybe
3: a story will be told.